Good afternoon and welcome to Gospel Inc. I'm David Green, your host on this journey of faith and transformation. Today we delve into the awe-inspiring testimonies of modern-day believers, profoundly touched by the influence of Jesus Christ. We bring you stories of miraculous redemption and divine reconciliation, narratives that speak to the heart and soul. Our guests have navigated through the darkness of witchcraft, addiction, and life-altering tribulations, finding themselves at times far from God's embrace. Yet in their deepest despair, they encountered God's transformative power, bringing hope and new purpose into their lives. Now, as fervent disciples of Christ, their lives stand as a powerful testimonies to His boundless grace. Join us this season of celebration and reflection as we share these extraordinary tales of spiritual rebirth and unshakable faith only on Gospel Inc. Welcome back to Gospel Inc., a podcast where faith meets life's incredible stories. Today, we're thrilled to have Marnie with us. Marnie is not just a figure of inspiration. She is a testament to the power of faith and resilience in the face of life's storms. As international leadership mentor, the author of 14 enlightening books, and the engaging host of her own radio talk show, Marnie brings a unique blend of wisdom, experience, and spiritual insight to our conversation. Her journey has been marked by extraordinary challenges, from natural disasters to personal and business setbacks. Yet through each trial, Marnie has emerged stronger, exemplifying the true spirit of comeback behavior underpinned by her profound faith. But Marnie's story goes beyond personal triumphs. She's a beacon for others, guiding them through her role as a web hostess of WomenSpeakers.com, the world's largest directory of Christian women speakers. Her speaking engagements have spanned the globe, touching lives in corporate settings, nonprofit organizations, and Christian conferences. As we delve into Marnie's experience and insights, prepared to be inspired and empowered, her journey is a vivid illustration of how faith can anchor us, giving us the strength to overcome and the courage to transform challenges into victories. So grab your headphones, settle in, and get ready for an enlightening episode of Gospel Link with Marnie. Good afternoon and welcome to the show, Marnie. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks, David. You bet. So to begin our conversation about your path to faith, could you share with us what your life looked like before you found spirituality and tell us about the defining moment when you first connected with faith? I am one of those amazingly blessed people who was four years old when I understood I needed Jesus. So it's kind of funny. I remember very specifically the moment I realized that I was naughty <laughs> and that God was perfect and I was in big trouble because I was not perfect. And I went into, uh, I went forward at a kid's crusade. I went into the prayer room and I was, um, I was put over with a lady who I used to think was a, a witch. And it wasn't that she was a nasty person. She just was tall and angular. And she reminded me of a witch when I saw her. And I was always scared of that lady. So I was only four, remember. And here she was the one that I prayed with when I accepted Christ. Well, I know that there was an immediate change in my heart because a few weeks later, my mom was uh, stood me in front of four ladies in the church who all said they wanted to take me home for overnight sleepover and I had to pick who to go home with and my mom knew for sure that I wouldn't go home with that lady 
uh, because I was scared of her. But guess who I picked? I picked the very person who had led me to Christ and the person who I was just before scared of. It happened that she was in an abusive marriage, and my mom spent the entire night praying protection over me as I was in that home. And uh, God has been so faithful to me my whole life. I'm so excited that I've gotten to know him for so long and uh, get to share him with people all over the world. That is a beautiful story. And you know, at first, it made me think of my wife. She's 5'11", and she works at the daycare at our church. And I was like, I wonder if kids think of her like that. <laughs> but don't tell my wife that. <laughs> I know, right? Right. We never want to be thought of like that. <laughs> yeah. So I've read that you've lived through fires, floods, and family deaths. Yet your faith is strong, and you love life. What are some of your secrets that you want to share with us? I believe that um, because of God's calling on my life, I've been allowed to go through a lot of challenges. And the list you started with is just a portion of the list. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, burglaries and car wrecks and sinking boats and uh, business setbacks, all kinds of things. I would say that the one thing I learned early and that has just been reinforced throughout my whole life, is that when I'm in trouble, I call on the name of Jesus. And even when I'm doing uh, conferences for women, I will do this like flashlight thing on my forehead with my hand, like danger, 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 call on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we do that over and over together because our natural response to danger is to figure out how we can fix it. But when you face dangers that are so much bigger than you and you know for sure that you cannot fix them, then you have a couple options left there. You can shut down. You can go into depression. You can, I mean, there's all kinds of options there. But the option that I have found to be so amazing, uh, David, is to just call on Jesus. And I always just say, you know, you just breathe Jesus all the time. And so when you need him, uh, it's just easy, easy to just just call on him. He's I always call him my nine one one. He's my nine one one. That is such an uplifting story. It beautifully reminds us that regardless of the challenges we face, God is always with us. Your story particularly brings to mind the well-known Footprints in the Sand poem, which powerfully encapsulates the ideal of God's unwavering support, especially in our most difficult time, or maybe even our perceived difficult times where we're trying to overcome fear as a parent or child. This makes me wonder, though, could you share a moment in your life when your faith played a crucial role in helping overcome a significant challenge? Mm, Wow. Um, Everything. So just in the past um, month, I ended up about a month ago, um, I had a, I have really high arches on my feet and I need insoles for my shoes. And I had to let my insoles get worn out. And I was trying since the spring, this is fall now, but I was trying since the spring to replace them. Everything I was trying wasn't working, including waiting five weeks for them to come and finding out they didn't work and things like that. I hit a critical point about four weeks ago where my body just quit working. It was um, excruciatingly painful. And my entire left side was completely out of um, alignment. I was in bed, could only sit up or stand up for two to three minutes at a time. Uh, Yeah, just so much pain. And uh, it was so funny, David, how that hit me because coming up to it, uh, I had been, and I just like, I just 
kind of go with my heart. If I'm interested in something, I pursue it unless God puts a red flag there. Uh, also, I listen to God. And so right before this all happened, I had just read through the whole Old Testament again, which is full of a lot of troubles and people having a lot of troubles. And then I had really gotten interested in the book of Job. And I'd listened to that in my um, audio version probably about 20 times. And then also I was reading the Fox's Book of Martyrs. So what happened when, when I got hit with this excruciating pain, which was really pretty intense, uh, what happened was I almost burst out laughing and I was like, well, at least I'm not being burned at the stake. Or <laughs> it's, like, it's like there's hope, you know, this won't last forever probably. It was really interesting how it hit me. And it kind of brings me to the thought of, um, I have a pet peeve when people say God is a bad dad. And what I mean by that is they'll say, don't pray for patience or you better watch out because you're going to get slammed with all kinds of bad stuff. And I think that's a bad dad uh, definition of what's going on. From my perspective, what's going on, what happened with me uh, in this last month, also what happens to us with patients all the time, is that God is more like the uh, sky cam helicopter pilot above a traffic jam, okay? So you can tune in and he can tell you in advance which exit to get off and you're still going to have a little delay, but you won't get stuck for an hour in traffic, right? So if we're tuned in to God, we will hear things things in advance to prepare us for what is coming. So you ask, how is my faith affected? A lot of times the way my faith affects a challenge is that it has prepared me for it in advance so that when I hit it, it neither surprises me. I mean, it always surprises me what happens, right? But it never surprises me that challenges come. And then I am prepared to walk through it, uh, giving God the glory and just staying staying in sync with him in my spirit. Thank you for sharing such a beautiful and moving account. It's clear that you've lived through some truly remarkable experiences, and I can only imagine the impactful moments of witness transformation you contributed to within maybe your church or community. Reflecting on this, could you recall a specific instance when your faith not only strengthened your own resolve, but also enabled you to be a guiding light for someone else? I'm especially interested in hearing about a time when you, through your, your witness and with God's guidance, you played a role in transforming someone's life perspective. Giving day, we had um, we had invited neighbors over for Thanksgiving dinner at noon, and also if anybody wanted to come, they could help us prepare it. And so one of our neighbors came over at nine o'clock in the morning to help us prepare Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, stayed until about four o'clock in the afternoon, and during those hours when we were just here with him alone, um, we began to talk to him, and he was a kind of a newer Christian, come out of a really. Um, a challenging life. Uh, so many of our adult new Christians, I mean, their their backgrounds are uh, heartbreaking and um, kind of overwhelming. Like to me, I was raised in a Christian home with loving parents and loving siblings, and we just, God loved us, and we just had all kinds of benefits there. But, um, but we were just talking to him, and at one point, at one point, he started sharing something, and I reached over, and I just put my hand on his. We were all, my husband was at the counter with us. He was working on the turkey. We were just sitting next to each other in chairs, and I reached over, and I put my hand on his, and it didn't feel like anything was um, responding there, and I almost took my hand off, and God just prompted to leave it there, and pretty soon, 
he responded to my hand on his hand, went forward, and it came that he had been really struggling with um, demonic oppression, like he was having dreams, and there were, like, his dogs would get upset because there were demons in his house, and he was struggling with this. And so I just, you know, I just asked him very simply, I said, do you want to keep those? Is that something you want to have hanging around? And he's like, no. So we just prayed, you know, right then, just got rid of the demons, and then uh, later, in the conversation, um, he said to me, he said, you know, when you held my hand, and I said, yeah, he said, he said, I never let anybody touch me or hold my hand. He said, that's why I didn't respond right away. He said, but then when I understood deep down that I was safe, thank you. And I just want you to know that you know, God's going to use you just in your everyday life. You don't have to go way out of your way or to a different country or whatever to be used by God. It just walks through the doors that he opens and just be Jesus to everybody you meet. That's our that's our whole game plan. Amen. That is perfectly said. As my viewers are aware, I'm a retired law enforcement officer, and though I was fortunate to grow up in a loving home myself with a nurturing family, my career often brought me into contact with individuals, you know, really facing incredible, challenging circumstances. You know, throughout my career, I was presented with numerous opportunities to share my faith and speak about the transformative power of embracing Christ. I recall moments spent in conversation with individuals in really difficult situations, such as prostitutes, where I could share the message of hope and redemption. I emphasize that despite their imminent challenges like facing, you know, immediate jail time, there's still a profound blessing and hope to be found there. It's really beautiful how God opens these doors, for us, allowing us to be messengers of hope and renewal. So how did that relationship with your neighbor progress after Thanksgiving? Did the demons flee from him? Did he find his peace? Maybe even draw closer to God because of that experience? Um, so I've only had one contact with him since then, and things seem to be going fine. You know, I think one of the things that um, also we can get ourselves into a lot of pressure and um, even hold ourselves back from uh, being Jesus to people, letting Jesus flow through us during conversations, because we aren't quite sure how we're going to follow up. And when we see Jesus's model for us, he didn't worry about that. He just worked with crowds of thousands and he didn't go follow up on all of them you know it's like you have to just whatever god calls you to do in the moment do that with enough faith to believe that god went home with our neighbor even if i couldn't <laughs> so yeah <laughs> that's wonderfully said and and so you do a lot of public speaking right so you do a lot of witnessing you want to tell us a little bit about your journey um in that avenue yeah, so my first book came out with St. Martin's Press in 1996. It was called Marnie's Kitchen Shortcuts. So it had nothing to do with church or anything, but it did uh, open the door for speaking to begin for me. And so I began being asked to speak and be on TV and radio shows and things like that. So that's where my journey became, you know, a real thing. Instead of just doing a devotional, I started actually speaking and doing public presentations. And then in 2002, I was minding my own business and there was this blue clickable US map in my mind. I just saw a picture of it and it just came out of nowhere. And I was like, what in the world is it? You know, and I was like, God, what's that doing in my mind? And after after some, you know, prayer and a little time that I understood that there were speakers bureaus for the mega churches who could fly speakers in for events. Um, but all of the churches from large to very small churches were having trouble finding speakers for their Christian women's events, retreats, conferences, teas, ladies' nights out, things like that. They didn't know where to find more speakers. 
and that would be you know affordable and possibly within driving distance and so that's what this blue clickable map was about so i just was like i don't know how to do that and he's like well i'll teach you and uh we'll start with one person on the map you know we'll go from there so that's what happened back in 2002 created this website i put myself in there and right away other speakers found it and then right away planners found it and it's been just this amazing journey to watch how god has done all this back at that time there were so many churches that didn't have women's ministries and so i would get emails all of a sudden a whole bunch of emails would come in you know we found a speaker we want to have what do we do with her and I, oh, okay, so you need a resource to know what to do with her. And then others were like, we don't know what a women's ministry is. Okay, so wrote a book about how to start a women's ministry that went all over the world, 35 countries. And um, I, I, the responses to that just blew my mind because here I am just, you know, with my own experience. And one of the responses was early on on that book, one of the responses was, I am trying to do this women's ministry out to the tent people. And I'm like, who are tent people? And she said, oh, out in the woods, um, you know, they all they do is they put a cardboard box over a branch and that's their house. You know, and so it was everything from these churches in affluent areas in the United States all the way to, you know, 10 people. And, uh, you know, how God is able to minister and uh, reach people at every level in every country, wherever we are, wherever they are. So that's where womenspeakers.com started. We're now at over 1,500 speakers who live all over the world and travel all over the world speaking to women's ministry events. That's really a remarkable story, right? It got me thinking about how sometimes God opens doors for us, presenting paths we might, you know, really feel hesitant about taking or maybe even intimidated to take. You know, this really resonated deeply with my experience starting this podcast. I felt called to speak and share the word of God, and he provided this platform almost immediately. From there, it just evolved organically. Along the way, God brought fascinating individuals into my life, helping me to learn and grow the business from the ground up. It's really incredible to witness how God places opportunities best, believing in our potential even when we may doubt ourselves. He has a way of revealing our capabilities to us. But, you know, getting back to your story, right, reflecting on your own journey, what has been most rewarding part of mentoring speakers and fellow believers in Christ? Definitely, I would say the, um, I just love it all, but the women speakers themselves from the very beginning surprised me um, at their tenacity, their just uh, strong, strong faith and commitment to God. And even beyond that, most of them have the kind of stories that nobody would want to live but all of us need to hear because they're stories of a faithfulness of a loving God through the worst possible scenarios. You know, one of our speakers, a couple of our speakers only have one arm. <laughs> one of them lost an arm to a shark. Um, you know, um, blind speakers, uh, uh, speakers who have been through just the most horrific things. One of my speakers was sold into the sex slavery at three. I mean, it's like these women are amazing, amazing. And you would think that, you know, after story, after story, after story, after story of hearing their traumatic experiences and how God came in, that they would be bitter, that they would be like not up on a platform celebrating God, the God who allowed that to happen to them. But see, that's how they don't see it that way. They see the God who saved them from the evil that was in the world happening to them. 
right? So I just I remember early on one of my speakers I was talking to her and she had told me that she had fallen on black ice and broke both of her elbows and I was like oh no that's terrible and I said I and she said yeah and what was crazy is I had just weekend after weekend booked for retreats and I said I suppose you had to cancel them all and she said why would I cancel them I don't use my arms to speak. <laughs> So I think I think that the women themselves have been uh, the joy, the joy of that journey, uh, just getting to know them, calling them friend and being able to promote them. Yeah, that's quite an extraordinary thing, isn't it? Since you've been at this for a good while, I'm curious, have you had the chance to mentor individuals who might have been at the crossroads with their faith, especially while they were in the midst of sharing their testimony? You know, those who might have been grappling with their beliefs, standing somewhat on the other side of the fence. Yeah, so as part of my role as the director of womenspeakers.com, I do an intake interview with every speaker who wants to be promoted here. And so during those interviews, oftentimes it will come up that a speaker does not yet have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe she is not walking with God, whatever. So that is the time at which I get to counsel them or tell them about the plan of salvation or give them more resources or whatever is appropriate to do in each different situation. But that is that is one of my uh, joys, actually. Um, I have to say no, of course, at that moment to promote them to a platform, but I get to say yes to them as um, loving them and getting to take them to their next step in getting to know Jesus better. That is really a great perspective. So how do you approach mentoring someone who's struggling with their faith? So every every single person is different. And I really love the um, word in the Bible that says we are witnesses. We're to be witnesses. And if you think of a witness, you know, with your background as well, you know this really well, you get on the witness stand in a court of law. You don't get to just ramble on and on and just talk about anything. All you get to do is you get to answer the question. <laughs> And as soon as you start beyond that, you know, you might answer the question and say, but what I really think, and they'll say, nope, you have to stop right there. You can only answer the question, stick to answering the question. And I really love this in sharing my faith. I really don't need to cram Jesus down anybody's throat or to, you know, push my way into their thinking. All I'm doing is I'm just loving them. And as they ask a follow-up question, answering the question, and if there's a way to lead that into something else, I do, but I never worry about that, actually. I just roll with the Spirit there and know that I'm not saving anybody. Uh, God is the Savior. You know, Jesus is the Savior. I'm just I'm just here as more or less a facilitator to, you know, uh, to introduce people to Jesus. That's my job, not to make sure they fall in love with him or that they follow him forever. And when we get to lead someone to Christ, I mean, that's so exciting. Um, that is not always the role in the moment. That is a beautiful thing. Maybe, can you share where you witnessed a profound transformation in someone through your ministry? I love to tell this story of um, Jenny, and she's given me permission to tell this story. Um, she was a, a um, what am I looking for the word here? A newspaper reporter. And she had come to my house to do a newspaper article. She'd driven, you know, 90 miles to come to my house to do an article on me after one of my books came out. And she was 
very fun to be with and she was enamored by our children and and our hamsters and all that and uh so the article was great and then she moved to my city later so we had known each other through this interview and then one of my friends a christian friend of mine knew her and so uh, she was expecting a baby and uh, so i was kind of keeping up with her through my friend but i didn't really have any direct contact with her there was a Sunday morning that I was just up. I was sitting in my prayer chair and I was just talking with God. And it was about seven o'clock on a Sunday morning. And all of a sudden the thought came into my mind, call Jenny. And I'm like, right, call Jenny. It's seven o'clock on a Sunday morning. I don't even know Jenny. And uh, that is ridiculous. So I just, I'm like, nice try. Um, I went back to praying and to reading my Bible. And pretty soon it came again, call Jenny. Well, this time I'm up out of my chair and I am like, okay, God, this is crazy. I can't call this woman. She, I think she maybe had her baby and I just cannot call her at seven o'clock. And I said, what would I say? Hey, Jenny, do you want to go to church? I mean, what would I say? And so I said, God, this cannot be you. So I went and sat back down and it came again, call Jenny now. And I was like, uh, I can't. God, if you want me to call her, if you want me to call her, you have to show me that you want me to call her. And David, I know people have said to me over the years, you know, don't do that. Open your Bible anywhere and put your finger down because you might find, you know, the verse, you know, go hang yourself or something. Yeah. And the thing that I know about God, I'm an author. I've written 14 books. Authors really know what what's in their book. They know right where it is. And uh, God knows his book really, really well. And so he can, I just, I have used this multiple times and I always say, don't, don't try to play with God or manipulate God. That's not going to work out for you. But if you really want to know what God knows and that what you need to know, and you just can't figure out how to understand it. I do this all the time. I just did it earlier this week. So I just opened my Bible. I um, just put my finger down and it said, rescue the perishing. And I was like, well, that would define Jenny. So I just went in the kitchen. I'm like, I don't even know if I could find her phone number. I mean, I didn't have it, you know, but right away, God helped me find her phone number. And so with so much trembling, I was so scared, David. I dialed her number and this really groggy voice answered the phone. Hello. And I'm like, hi, Jenny, this is Marnie. Marnie, why are you calling me? I said, did I wake you up? She goes, no, I've been awake all night. And I said, oh, was the baby up? And 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 I, I remembered that she had had her baby. I just couldn't even hardly remember anything about it when her first name first came. And then um, she said, she said, no, actually, actually, I had intruders here. Jim's out of town. I was here alone. They live out in the country and I was here alone. And she said, and the dogs went crazy and these guys were shining flashlights in the window and I could hear them out there. And I called the police and the dog just scared them away. But she said, finally, the police came. Now they have gone. And then she started crying and she said, but I have to tell you, I'm so tired and the baby's going to wake up any minute and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, well, Jenny, it's been a while since I've had a baby in our house. So I was wondering, maybe I could come out and get baby Mia and, and just hang out with her for a while while you rest it. She said, would you do that for me? I'm like, oh, absolutely. That sounds fun. So uh, she gave me her directions to her house. I went out, got this newborn baby, like literally two weeks old. I was such a newborn baby. And, um, 
I took the baby with me to church, which was a whole experience in itself coming in with a brand new baby. Uh, that was so fun. And everybody's like, where'd you get the baby? And, and I kept saying, I kept saying, uh, pray for Jenny. God's doing something in Jenny's life today. So I had a bunch of people praying and that whole morning and it was just crazy how God provided milk for the baby and everything the baby needed, God provided. And about, about one o'clock that afternoon, I knew that the baby needed Jenny and Jenny probably needed the baby. So I called and she said, I'm just waking up, come on out. So we got out there and um, she was sitting beside me nursing the baby and I was sitting with her in the living room there and we were just talking and she's telling me her really horrible life story. David, it was it was so so sad and so hard and so hopeless. And I said, Jenny, do you ever pray? And she said, I pray all the time. And I said, Do you think God hears you? And she said, I don't know. I kind of don't think He does. And I just said, Do you want to know for sure that God will hear you every single time you pray going forward? And I just showed her the bridge illustration about how you know we were separated from God because of our sin, but Jesus came to die on the cross so that we could come into this beautiful personal relationship with God through Jesus. And I said, is there any reason you wouldn't want to do that? And she's like, no, I want to do that right now. And so she just prayed to accept Jesus. And her life did not immediately turn perfect, but I'm telling you, it was crazy, the transformation and to watch and to watch how God brought her husband to faith years later. And just, just an amazing story and just how God will go to great lengths to lead someone to Christ. So just be, be open to his calling. Just listen for his voice and do what he says to do, even if it's crazy. <laughs> That's truly a beautiful thing. You know, I'm a brand new father, a father of an 18-month-old child, and I have a daughter that's going to be born January 28th. So I can only imagine if an event happened in my life and we had no family around, so I, I, there was nobody there that we could turn to. So it's awesome to see God bring helping hands into her life. And then she was able to experience Christ through that journey. It is truly amazing. So changing gears, right? You know, you and I were discussing my law enforcement career and you brought up a really interesting point about my authority in that role. You know, it got me to thinking about how that kind of authority might relate to or maybe symbolize the authority we find in Christ. What is your perspective on that? Yeah, so one of the things that I've been learning um, lately is is more about the authority that we have in Christ. And I'm going to use kind of a crazy example. Um, I kind of feel like as a Christ follower, with the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And Jesus was, he was both our example of how to live, uh, but also more than that, the example that he left us was to be dependent on the Holy Spirit, right? So we have been given authority and power through the Holy Spirit, and we're supposed to use that authority of power in the world. So I have this picture of myself as like a meter maid, or I don't know what you actually call those people that go around, you know, and give people tickets that are in the wrong parking spot, you know. Uh, but I have this picture of that, where when I come, you know, and I shared earlier about the demons present in our neighbor's life, when I come into a situation where there's clearly demonic um, activity going on, my role is that I just am like a meter maid and I give that, basically, if you're going to simplify it way down, it's like I give the demon a ticket. It's like, okay, you are parked illegally in this life. <laughs> you can either get this car out of here right now, get, get yourself out of here right now, or Jesus is going to come and tow you away and you don't want to have that happen. So you need to just go right now. So that's kind of how I see it, like in this crazy, simple way. But, you know, we can also think about it as, you know, a burglar 
as a police officer, if you saw a burglar going into a building, did you have the authority to just stop that from happening? Or did you have to take a whole bunch of steps, make sure it was okay? You know, what was your situation with that? Yeah, it really depends on the situation. For instance, imagine I'm on routine patrol late at night and I come across a closed business. Let's say a shattered window or it has a door ajar. If then I notice someone entering through it, at that moment, my authority as an officer would empower me to intervene. I'd have the right to stop and detain that individual for safety reasons and question them to ascertain their intentions. It's crucial in such scenarios to determine whether they're there for legitimate reasons, like being a business owner, or they're attempting to commit theft. But regardless, my authority was absolute in that scenario. And if he was there based on being a thief or a liar or a murderer, then you had the ability to get him out of that place. Is that true? Exactly. That's when we would arrest him, charge him with a crime, and take him down to the adult detention center. And let me pause. I love the symbolism that you're bringing up here, because what you're saying is God gives us the authority to remove that demonic entity from others' lives. Right. So this is, I mean, this is so exciting to me to recognize that this isn't about me praying to God for him to do it for me. This is about him giving us the authority to do it, basically, if you would say, for him. Okay. So he has given us the power and the authority, just like you as a police officer were given the power and authority to take action when you saw a, a thief or a murderer or uh, someone that just shouldn't have been in the place they were, wherever uh, demons are <laughs> that they aren't supposed to be, which is in a Christian's life or bothering someone or whatever, uh, we as Christians are actually supposed to be the people who come into that situation and say, no, you cannot see, stay here. You are in the wrong parking spot or you are in the wrong house or you are doing the wrong thing here. And it's just so cool that God has given us the actual um the actual authority to do that and i always thought i really always thought my whole life even growing up with christ and everything i really always thought i needed to ask god to help me do that but it's kind of like asking god to help me brush my teeth it's like i already know that that's just a good thing to do and this is what i'm supposed to get up and do i don't have to ask him about that i don't have to ask him you know should i fellowship with believers this week or should i just stay home no it's already in the book we don't have to we don't have to ask permission and we don't have to ask permission to extend god's love to people to extend freedom to people or to extend healing to people. We actually just get to do that just because Jesus already paid for all of it. Wow, that's a profound insight. I hadn't quite connected the dots like that before. Even during these interviews, right? I find myself quietly praying, asking God to guide me and asking the right questions. It's absolutely remarkable how God empowers us to perform good works. For someone who's trying to overcome the fear of possibly offending others, especially when they're well-versed in Christ's teachings and know what they should do, what advice would you offer them? I just think, I think that, that I love the verse, perfect love casts out fear. So it says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. And so the closer you get to Jesus, the more time you spend with him, the better you get to know God's loving heart, the less fear you will experience all across the board. And that includes things like reaching out to someone on the spiritual level. Uh, so just like one of the things I believe that's really been a challenge in our culture is that we have um, 
as a church, as a whole, as a church, we've really diminished God, uh, God's love, God's goodness. And some people are like, wow, I think, you know, all that's talked about is God's love or God's grace. We got to talk about his judgment too. But most of us, I would say, really feel, I, I had a friend at, uh, at the city we lived in last who's, who's, she was a Buddhist and she said, your God has an anger management problem, you know? <laughs> based on the old testament and you know it's funny because because i could kind of relate to that but after getting to know him getting to know god better getting to understand better that well let me just use this example when adam and eve were in the garden i mean it seems pretty harsh that you know you take one bite of an apple and boom you're done right that seems pretty harsh but if you look at it the backwards way look at it the forwards way if you would um god had given them this entire beautiful garden they had the whole thing and he said there's just one little rule just one little rule he doesn't have an anger management problem he is so extravagantly loving and patient and kind you know and we've we've been taught that he's this vengeful wrathful god and we've believed a lie there that that's who he is and instead when i read through the old testament you know i told you just recently went through the whole old testament again looking for looking for a different perspective this time looking for the compassionate a slow to anger god and boy did i ever find him he's right there and in fact he keeps saying you know change your ways now i don't want to bring calamity on you please don't make me do this but you know the problem with a parent is that when a child is consistently persistently chasing after things that are dangerous for them or for other people the parent has to step in at some point it would be a bad parent who didn't step in at some point and so when we look at god through a different lens it changes our perception of him and it allows us to love him more and experience his love more one of the books i wrote uh, several years ago is called feeling love experiencing god in the minutes you have because um people were asking me how do you have time to have a close relationship with god and i was like i couldn't even understand the question i'd be like what do you mean um because i was just breathing breathing the air of prayer all the time so it was like how do you not have time i mean you have to breathe anyway so you might as well <laughs> jesus you know and since since i came to find out i came to find out that the name Yahweh for God, which is really, you can't pronounce that actually, it's actually a breath. When you say the YH, that is the intake of breath, and when you say the WH, that is the out, uh, outflow of breath. So when you imagine your breath is And what does a baby do first when it comes into the world? It takes a deep breath in. And what is the last thing we do in our lives? We exhale for the final time. And every breath in between is a gift, and every breath can be spent with Jesus. And so it's this just continual, constant flow. And the analogy that God gave me to help me to understand what that looks like in the day-to-day -day is a dolphin. I was so frustrated because the verse, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 6, uh, 17, pray without ceasing. And it's like, how? I get distracted. I don't pray maybe three hours at a time. I don't think, God, you know, if I'm working on taxes or something, you know, it's like, I can't, I can't do it. And so God gave me this analogy of the dolphin. The dolphin is a water dweller, but an air breather. 
So it lives underwater, but it has to come up for air every few minutes, less than five minutes, or it starts to suffocate, okay? We are earth dwellers, but we were built to be prayer breathers. We need to go up for air through prayer every few minutes or we begin to suffocate. And as you just get a hold of how God created us to be, this breathing relationship with Him that's just constant and flowing and ongoing. And anytime I experience stress of any kind, even good stress, like an excitement, a big excitement or whatever, if I experience stress of any kind, I just recognize, oh, I got to breathe. I got to talk to Jesus about this. And I don't go through it with my own perspective only. I tap into His perspective as well. Well, that's a quite an insightful observation. I've never really considered it in that way before. It's like how life can get so hectic busy. Just like before we started the show, I was engulfed in managing a company all day. In the midst of the hustle, you know, it's easy to forget about making time for prayer or connecting with God. What strategies do you suggest for staying less distracted in our daily routines and focusing more on God? Because for me, it's a real challenge. I often get so wrapped up in the day's task from getting my son ready in the morning to suddenly finding the day has slipped away. And I'm left wondering how it all went by so fast and, and wondering why I'm so tired. <laughs> Another whole day without you. <laughs> no, so in my book, Flow Through Vessel, and I'm just going to start with a little preface about that. But in that book, I talk a lot about habits because actually we're in the habit of ignoring God. That's our habit. In order to include God into more of our thought processes, we have to develop new habits that allow Him to be part of it. And the beautiful thing is uh, that it doesn't take t more time. You'll actually have more time when you begin to include God in your thought processes because when you're tapping into God's mind the way that he's thinking and understanding everything that's happening in your world i mean he knows the shortcuts he knows the better paths he knows the people he knows the connections he knows the resources he knows everything and so when we do include him we find we actually have more time instead of less time uh so it's a it's it's kind of a lie that says you know in order to connect with god i just am going to have to give up all this stuff but when we think about the flow through vessel so this is um another analogy is that if we were to say that my life my body on earth is a tall glass and whatever goes into that cup is in that cup so maybe water or diet coke or maybe gasoline or uh, poison or whatever. So whatever is in my life is in my life, right? And then when other people, let's say, have a straw, when other people come and they take a drink out of my life through the straw that's there, um, what are they going to get? Well, they're going to get whatever I've got to give them, right? Okay. So we were created, just like we were created to air, breathe the air of prayer, we were created to be a flow-through vessel for God's spirit, for God's love. And as I am full of his love, when others take a drink of my life, they get Jesus. But when I am not submerged in his love, when I'm submerged in Marnie or even in toxicity or whatever, when somebody takes a swig of my life, that's what they get. And so we all think that we're supposed to come up with all this goodness, this godness to give people. And that's not the right way to look at it. We are like an empty cup and we can either fill it with other stuff or we can let Jesus fill us. And when we are full of him, submerged in him, 
He's doing all the heavy lifting. The only thing we're doing is we're being a non-resistant conduit for his love and life to flow through. So if you think of an electrical cord, and that electrical cord is only going to do what it's plugged into. <laughs> it's not going to do any, if it's not plugged in anywhere, it's not going to give any juice. If it's plugged into somewhere that's too much juice, it can cause a real problem, right? Uh, too little, not enough. But if it's plugged into the correct outlet for the thing that's needed at the time, it's perfect. And that's how we are. We just stay plugged into Jesus. We stay submerged in Jesus, and then we go forward. So back to your original question about how do you incorporate this into your life is, first of all, it comes down to a matter of faith. Do you believe God is good and that having him be part of your everyday life could actually help? And if you do, then you will actually, your actions will show that by faith, that you have that faith, and you will find a way. You will find a way. One of my favorite ways is to just, every time I think of somebody, is to pray for them. Every time I hear a siren is to pray for the people involved. Um, just to start incorporating him into small thoughts that you have. Every time you, um, you know, want to, let's say you, you, you don't want to go to Starbucks anymore. And every time you think, I just want to stop at Starbucks, I just want to stop. You know, every time you get to that point, you're just like, Jesus, you know what I want to do right here is I just want to thank you and praise you that while this is happening in my head right now, it won't happen forever. And I love you. And I just want to think about you instead of thinking about Starbucks. You know, it's like whatever it is that you want to pick, just start somewhere and start incorporating him into that. And if you look at how Christendom has done forever, you know, we pray before we eat food. And that gets to be kind of a rote thing for a lot of people, but it's a good start. Thank you for that wonderful response. I truly appreciate you sharing your insights with me today. I am truly a Marnie superfan. I'll be following along with you, and I wish I could join your speaking group, but I think I might be excluded from that one. But I'm going to be following along with your journey nonetheless, because I can only imagine that the people you are mentoring are just as fantastic as you are. As we conclude today, what final message or words of encouragement would you like to offer to my listeners who might be on a journey similar to yours? Today, I've been thinking a lot about the word all. And um, I've been thinking about it because um, I've been thinking more about this authority power thing with God that He's given us. And it's that He has given us all authority to cast out all demons and to heal all sickness, which is like, okay, that's a big word, all, right? But my theme verse for life is 2 Corinthians 9 8, which said, God, which says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that in all things at all times having everything you need you may abound in every good work it's all superlatives and as long as i'm tapping into marnie to make these things happen i can do it maybe okay some of the time hopefully but if i'm tapping into god i can do it all all the time because he never runs out he never is short he's never dry he just, you know, when I've got nothing left, he's just, he's hardly tapped into what he has, you know? So I think that if I could leave you with something, it's the closer you walk with Jesus, the more you let him flow through your life. And and I think, David, what I love, love, love about God's way that he set this up is I can't give away something I don't have. So if you need a hundred bucks and I don't have it, I can't give it to you. 
But if God's given me a hundred bucks or 200 bucks, then when you need a hundred bucks, I've got it and I can share it with you. And that's how it is in every way. If I don't have peace, I can't share peace. If I don't have his love, I can't share his love. If I don't understand about time, I don't have enough time for you. It's like he gives it to me so I can share it with everybody else. But what an amazing plan. He wants to bless you first so that you can be a blessing. He's a good, good, loving father. Thank you so much for that message. And, and thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been fantastic having you here with us. Thanks, David. In today's Stara Narrative, we witness the profound impact of faith and the grace found in redemption. It calls upon us to abandon our wayward paths and realign with our Lord and Savior. Let this moment of reflection be guided by the words of the scripture. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. We are promised a grace that not only forgives, but renews. A grace that envelopes us with the warmth of his divine affection. As we conclude, I invite you to join me in a moment of prayer. Close your eyes, bow your heads with me, and let's reach out to our Lord and Savior. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you all the days of my life. You are my Lord and Savior. Amen. Remember, saying this prayer or any other prayer will not save you by itself. It is the genuine faith and conviction in your heart that God cares about you. The words are simply a way for you to express your faith and commitment to God. The true salvation experience comes from the truly believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, feeling remorse for your sins, and living a life that shows a commitment to following the teachings of Jesus. Thank you for joining me today. If this message resonated with you, I'd be honored if you consider subscribing. In the coming weeks, we'll connect with a host of fascinating individuals, and I eagerly anticipate the rich discussions ahead. Until we meet again, remain inspired, steadfast in faith, and let the gospel leave its indelible mark upon your soul.